Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the US v. Brown Bag. I am very excited this evening because I've, I've been doing a couple of things with some uh, containers, and tonight we've got Cody DeArkland of, of VMware uh, talking about v, VMware. Is it VMware or vSphere? It's vSphere, isn't it? vSphere integrated containers. vSphere, thank you. Duh. <laughs> vSphere integrated containers. Uh, we're going to do an install and config tonight, and this man is crazy. We are going to be doing a live live demo. He's this is not pre-recorded. This is all in the wild. So we have we have sacrificed all to all of the demo gods, and uh, we're going to be crossing our fingers. Um, couple of uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, show notes before we get started get in on the conversation um, we I am monitoring the Twitters uh, if you hashtag V brown bag I will see your questions there um, at V brown bag also of course again our, our presenter this evening is Cody Darkland uh, he can be found at Cody Darkland um, I'm Chris I, I can be found at Mistwire. feel free to irritate me as much as you want uh, take it easy on Cody he's an awesome guy and with that Cody let me make you presenter. Shablam. Oh, man. Let's get our correct monitor showing. You have the power. I can see your right, presentation. All right, everyone. So as you can see, we have a whopping four slides. And that's because <laughs> I don't want to make this a, I don't want to make this a desk by PowerPoint presentation. I like it to be fun and, and dig into kind of some commands and actually show the setup and and really have a good conversation about about kind of the benefits of, of vSphere integrated containers and even talk a lot about just the benefits of, of leveraging containers anyways. Obviously this presentation is more focused on on the vSphere integrated containers component of it, but we no reason why we can't talk about everything. Um, so kind of digging in from the stop from the top, what is vSphere integrated containers? What what are they and how do they how do they play in kind of a regular environment? Uh, vSphere integrated containers are VMware's take on implementing a container solution within, go figure, the VMware uh, ecosystem. Now, the big benefit to using vSphere integrated containers today is that you can start to tie it in with existing VMware products. So if you're using something like VROPS internally or VROPS operations, you can actually monitor the, those containers and performance of those containers from within VROPS and tie in other products to it. You know, A good example that we talk about a lot is Growing containers on a on a user network on that's backed by NSX and being able to control the destination point of those containers as well as monitor them inside of um, VRLIZE Network Insider or Verney. You know we had a session on that kind of recently too. So uh, it, it's kind of a cool it's a cool take on on the container concept. Um, it, there are some things that are different. There are some things that are are benefits to VSphere integrated containers, and there's also some things that are detractors about VSphere integrated containers. Um, we'll talk a little bit about both of those, but I wanted to just kind of jump into where we're going to go with this. Um, this slide is really meant to just show kind of an overall picture of what the basic container ecosystem at VMware looks like. We're going to tonight deploy what's called the vSphere integrated containers appliance, so just the VIC appliance. And within that VIC appliance, we have the VMware Harbor, which is our enterprise Docker registry. And then we have VMware Admirable, which is a container ma management solution. Below those, those container appliances, well, not below, but from that container appliance, we pull down the actual binaries that will install our container hosts. So we're going to install just regular vSphere container host. And what that will do is actually host our containers. One big difference between vSphere integrated containers 
versus a traditional Docker container is that we're used to, as V admins, when our developers want to provision Docker resources. We give them a VM, they install Docker, maybe on CentOS, they do a yum install Docker, start pulling down their content, and we can jump into just a simple example of that right here. We're on just my one of my CentOS boxes, and if we do a Docker images, you can see I've got a ton of ton of stuff I'm playing with on here at a given time. If we do a Docker info, you can see some basic stuff about the Docker installation that's running on this system. Now, I, I'll be the first to say that traditionally the regular Docker that's on a on a CentOS build or on a RHEL build or any of the standard Linux varieties tend to be a little bit more feature rich in the sense that they're kind of bleeding edge. They have all of the capabilities right out of the gate. Um, because of the nature of vSphere integrated containers, some of that development lags behind. And that, a lot of that centers around the fact that while we do consider uh, deployments of, of Docker containers that run inside of vSphere integrated containers to be containers, they're really actually virtual machines that are running the bare minimum to run that container underneath it. So they still are actually VMs that are just running the container binaries below it. Um, it's a very kind of fine line <laughs> distinction between the two, but it is something to kind of point out as the difference between. So let's jump into actually doing some, some fun demo now. Mm. Um, We're gonna move forward with Quick question. Um, yep. The uh, uh, in term in terms of requirements for the system, the the minimum to run uh, an E6I host six or six five. Yeah, they it will run on six. It's supported on six five. Hmm. So six five is where it's it's supportable on. Um, last I checked, it will run on six still. I believe that's being depreciated as the versions move forward. Uh, gotcha. But six five is the kind of the current platform. Also, uh, enterprise licensing is important. vCenter is not required, so you can do this with just a, a standalone host if you want to, and I'll actually be doing a, a blog post for the CNA blog around doing just that, and basically a developer pulls down ESX as a trial edition that has the enterprise features enabled and is able to jump on and, and deploy uh, deploy these for integrated containers to check it out. So I'll be doing a blog post around that for the CNA blog, but enterprise licensing is, at least the feature sets are required. Gotcha. Cool. Thank you very much. And then when we deploy it against a vCenter host, you do need to have the VDS um, enabled. So you ought to be using the virtual distributed switching. And that's mostly for the bridge network. And that's really so that the container host uh, can communicate amongst its containers as the host emotions between. And that's one of the bigger benefits of vSphere integrated containers versus a traditional Docker container. When you look at a traditional Docker host deployment, that Docker host is going to live on the virtual machine or the virtual machine host that it lands on. So if you have, for example, let's back out of my quick demo. Let's take a look here. In my environment, where I have two hosts in this demo environment, um, that Docker host that's deployed is always going to live on one of those hosts and all of those containers are going to live within that virtual machine, right? So we don't have, there's not a way to intelligently split those containers among multiple existing Docker hosts, unless you're doing something like a Docker swarm and doing some interesting load balancing with that or some interesting load distribution with that. Uh, but DRS will generally move that virtual machine between your hosts based on resource contention, but if you're running 100 containers on one Docker host, you could be swinging your resources pretty drastically between each one of those. Mm. 
one of the benefits of vSphere integrated containers is that things like DRS function with um, with those containers. So you could have the actual vSphere container host living on my zero one instance, but DRS says, hey, it's better for that container to run on zero two, and it'll move just that container over. Maybe there's five containers running on zero one, and three running on zero two because that's just how the resourcing balances out. So the benefits to kind of summarizing that, the benefits to vSphere integrated containers are that we get to use the native things that VMware does really well to manage those containers. And I don't mean manage as in the software installed on them, but manage that that resource pool. And you know, we talked a little bit earlier about kind of the future of containers and, and where we're going. There's going to come a day where people are using ESXi and the, the platform to host containers in mass on the platform. And instead of getting these monolithic larger VMs and just loading them up with containers, they're going to be provisioning these containers directly against the host. Right? So these right. hosts are going to become the, the housing for these resources. And we're going to be about enabling, enabling tools to manage those containers now instead of giving a, a, a developer a 32 gig uh, memory box to do all of their Docker work on. We're just going to give them a, a VCH endpoint and a URL and an ops user, which we'll talk a little bit about as we're doing the install. Um, and they'll access their Docker resources that way. So, so in the future, you'll be, you'll be removing even the, the VM shim layer that's that's um, that's in between the container and the host. Yeah, I, so I'm not on the the actual CNA team, so I can't comment on that. Oh, okay. Of it. All right. I think that's, I think that's the future as things develop and as we bring that integration tighter. Um, I think that the vision of it will be to to blur that line as much as possible. Right. I think that makes makes a lot of sense. And and even if it doesn't, right, even if they continue to maintain it as a VM hmm. in the traditional definition sense, as long as we're enabling as many of the Docker features as possible, I don't think developers will really care. Right. right. If they have feature parity between a Docker host on a, on a CentOS box and the vSphere integrated containers, the, the developer is just going to want to be able to develop at their house in their boxers, drinking Mountain Dew at 2 in the morning, and be able to push it into prod when they get into work at 10 in the morning because they slept in. Right? Oh. And, and as long as, as, long as the experience is the same between both, I think that's all they're going to care about. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, there, there is one other question, uh, but I don't know if this is more appropriate for the administration uh, talk that you're going to be having next week. Uh, the question is, how is container scheduling handled? Uh, or do we still need Kubernetes or, or Mesos? Or does DRS now handle the scheduling? And if, and if that's something that, that you want to talk about next week, uh, that's totally cool, too. We'll dive into it in, in more detail next week. Um, generally, container scheduling is an interesting concept, concept because it does in some ways parallel DRS. Now, I don't want to say exactly because I think a lot of people who know containers way more than me will kind of point out the intricate differences. Hmm. Um, but generally, they're, they're in the same concept family of resource balancing and, and where, similar to how we handle scheduling within the, the ESXi kernel, right, and how, how we balance that stuff out. There are people, you know, Ben Corey, who, who's a fantastic Vic resource, he has a video of doing Docker in Docker and then having um, the Docker data center management on top of it, which is doing the scheduling. I've seen people do Docker in Docker with Kubernetes on top of it. Uh, people are doing Photon OS, which is not the concept of, or not the topic of this conversation, but talking about cloud native, people are doing Photon OS, which does Kubernetes by default. There's going to be a lot of interesting announcements about, about Kubernetes and the VMware platform um, as time moves forward. Uh, some 
interesting developments I can't really touch on too much, but um, I would say that conversation is going to become more relevant as time moves forward. Gotcha. Okay. So tune in next week for our episode on administration. <laughs> Let's jump into a little bit of the demo now that I've rambled my, my mouth <laughs> off for a little while. So typically we go in and we download the actual VIC binaries, um, or at least the VIC appliance. I've already downloaded it just to save us time, but just for grins, we will bring up the actual URL. And typically you go in here and you just pop in and download it. It doesn't require a license to download. You can download it with any account. Um, any account that's not entitled to anything even can download Vic. So URLs up here for anyone who wants to grab that or see that or anything special. So we have it right here. We're going to go ahead and do the deployment. Now, interesting, uh, interesting side note. I had done a blog post on on deploying vSphere integrated containers. That was uh, really a really a fun blog post to do. And in this post, which I have up on the screen now, we had gone through and done all of this via Power CLI. Well, <laughs> unfortunately. PowerCLI has some struggles with handling uh, SHA-256 for OVF deployment, specifically this guy right here, and really the, the get OVF properties commandlet, which is somewhere else in this document, oh, right here, right below it. So unfortunately, when I went to do that this morning to test out the new version of Vic that was a GA, so 1.1.1, it told me no, and there's not a workaround for that right now. So we're going to go back to deploying an OVF as normal through the, through the UI, but soon this will be fixed and you'll be able to move back to actually doing this via PowerCLI, which is a, a much slicker way to do it because we all know that the web interface has its, has its struggles and I have no delusions of grandeur. So. so it's important that we're deploying the VIC appliance here. And remember I said before the VIC appliance has the Harbor Docker registry as well as the Admiral Management Interface. And on top of that, it also has the downloads for the, the Vic Container host binaries and the UI customization, things like that. We'll drop this on our existing tenant. I'm going to go ahead and validate that it's a signed, signed package, which takes a little bit of time. Looking good. Go ahead and accept. I'm going to drop this just on my standard small storage that I have on here. Now next week we're going to talk a little bit about the benefits of dropping uh, container hosts on NSX virtual wires, uh, just from a monitoring and management perspective. We're not going to do that this week. Uh, we're going to keep it on just standard networking this week. We'll drop it on my LAN network, which is just my standard 192.168.1.0 network. We'll use the ever-popular default VMware password for all the things. Can, uh, is it one VIC host per ESX host, or, or can you add multiple ones? 
You can have multiple ones, and that, that's a great question because um, that ties into multi-tenancy, right? So if you have a developer, say one of your developers is their team is focused on Node.js development, and then you have another group that's focused on database development, mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't want to give them the exact same BCH host, right? You might want to give them individual ones so that they can manage their resources, or you might they might have paid you for more resources so you have higher limits on one of those containers versus the other. So really, I could see scenarios where there's 15, 20 container hosts on a, on an individual ESXi host. Really, it's important to note that the I don't like, personally, this is Cody's opinion, not VMware's opinion overall, <laughs> but I don't necessarily like that we call it um, a vSphere container host because that makes it sound like it's almost a virtual machine or a, a virtual machine host in itself, right, and that we're doing nested virtualization in some weird way. But in reality, what that VCH is, it's an endpoint. It's, a, it's an API endpoint for Docker. So it's a, think of it as a, a translator to how to talk to the Docker resources within, within VMware. Mm -hmm. So that's why you can have these containers live on a different host in the environment versus their container host living on a different host, right? The, the example over here of the container host living on 01, but the containers living on 02. Because really the API endpoint knows how to talk to both, both ESXi hosts, right? So we're going to drop this on .60 address, and that's because I already deployed uh, some DNS records for that. Standard gateways. My humble lab domain. Oops. That was almost a mistake. Almost a live demo fail. So now as we drill into the actual setup, you can see we're getting into registry configuration. So this is for the harbor component. These are all just general passwords for the platform. In the interest of preparing, in the interest of preparing well, I went ahead and pulled down the certificates already. Nice. So we have those to do. To make everything secure and pretty, we're going to do the key in just a second. We have individual certs for each component, so if you had a different, if you used like Nginx to load balance it and you wanted to put a different subdomain in front, like harbor.blah.com or vic.blah.com, you could do that too. But since we're using the same cert for all of it, we're going to drop that in there. And then we're going to grab the key off of actually here. Oh, you know what? I actually copied the key elsewhere. I'm just tabbed over grabbing the key off of a different host right now. Mm 
when you have a second, I, I have a, a, an additional question. Shoot, go for it. We're just, I'm just pulling it down right now. So go okay. ahead. Um, do the Docker containers behave like regular VMs or do they behave differently, i.e. snapshots, the ability to back up, um, vMotion, all, all, all of the regular things that we can do with a regular VM? Uh, most of them work, so you can do backups and, and restores. I've, I've heard about people doing that. Uh, I haven't actually done the backup and restore component. Most uh, general VMware features will work on a on a actual container, so within the vSphere container host. Um, vMotion, mentioned that already between the two. Mm -hmm. uh, storage vMotion, I've heard doesn't work. I haven't tried storage vMotion, but I've heard that there's been some, some wonky issues with storage vMotion. Um, but people have been consuming vSAN with, with vSphere integrated containers. Um, i trying to think of what other major yeah, standard standard API calls will work to them as containers, or not as containers, as virtual machines, so if you're working with the REST endpoints, so on and so forth. Did you already speak to uh, snapshots? Uh, snapshots, in theory, would work, <laughs> but you would probably have some interesting problems with them, because typically if you tell, think about how how you should be leveraging a, a container, you really shouldn't be snapshotting it anyways, right? Mm -hmm. These are, containers are generally designed to be ephemeral in the sense that if something goes wrong, you blow it away, and you really shouldn't be going into a container and making changes to it. Mm -hmm. You typically have a, a persistent backend, um, or they'd be communicating with like a database on the backend that you'd be snapshotting as a real virtual machine or, or something like that. Um, in theory, uh, snapshots would work, but I would question I would question the why. Gotcha. Because your persistent data isn't going to be anywhere near this. Yeah. Nor should it be if you're kind of paying attention to those um, kind of the, I want to call it the Docker concepts. Gotcha. Oh, what did I do wrong? One property has the wrong value. Typing is hard. Words don't own us, at least not anymore. All right, so we got all our stuff set up, so on and so forth. We're going to go ahead and just do finish. Now if we drop down into our task screen. We will watch it fire off and start. Cool. While that's firing off, uh, Charles has another an additional follow-up question. Um, could the Charles? Uh, Charles Adams? Uh, I said, hello, Charles. Oh. <laughs> hey, Charles. Um, uh, could they be added to a vApp so that the containers and the persistent backend data could act as a single unit? It's interesting because when you'll see as we deploy this, they are by default added to a vApp within a host um, or within a, underneath that vSphere container host. Um, so I'd be interested to see the long-term impacts of that. I haven't looked at the impact of running it as a vApp? Um, it's a really good question. I will take that back internally and see if I can find some uh, some examples or some of the benefits from an engineering perspective on on why to use it as a vApp and if there's benefits to that or breaking them out of a vApp, what does that mean? I think that they're tied to a vApp right now just in the sense of if you power off your vSphere container host, hmm. the, yeah, the container should go down as well too, it being the API endpoint and all. Uh, that's a good question. I will dig on that and I will get back. I'll bring, I'll hopefully bring that back next week with uh, the management conversation. I can answer that. Awesome. Yeah, look, <laughs> that, 
that's open season to get you loaded up on follow-up questions now. Well, be careful. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I appreciate your follow-up questions. Totally. Um, while this is deploying, so we pop back into VTNRBC, it's moving along. I'm talking a little bit about the why of, of containerization and, and the benefits of using containers. Uh, I don't know how many of you how many of you follow me on on Twitter. I have a, a whopping like 140 followers, so I'm pretty serious. Uh, 142 now. That being said, right, right, 142. Um, I've been working a lot with uh, William Lamb and a few others on uh, deploying a set of basically a web page that functions as a proxy for talking between an Alexa, like a, so an Amazon uh, Echo device via Alexa, and VMware APIs. And we were developing this solely on desktops independently. You know, we would commit the code up into GitHub and pull it down and work on bits and merge and all the stuff. Uh, and after a while, it, it got to the point where we thought we need to make our, our installation and our configuration as similar as possible so that when we start distributing this out to other individuals, they're getting a consistent experience. Uh, moving it into a Docker container actually moved our our ability to develop faster against against the platform ahead light years and it and it turns it, it it actually ends up being a much simpler development process. You get into this process of pulling up the code, editing the code, pushing it to GitHub, cloning it back down and running a Docker build. And talking about containers while that's building, we have a few minutes here. I'm gonna do an unscheduled demo. It's completely off the rails, so this could completely backfire. <laughs> We're gonna go completely off the rails now. Oh, and, and why are you else? I'm sorry, go ahead. I would say that Pi VMware Alexa is the actual app we're talking about. So I'm going to nuke that directory, and we're going to clone it back down again. But uh, go ahead with your question, I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, Matt is asking, how is Vic licensed? Socket or by container count? Vic is not licensed. Vic requires enterprise licensing for your ESXi hosts. Uh, but Vic itself does not require it. You're not buying Vic. You can't go to your go to your rep and say, "Hey, I want to buy 55, 54 sockets." You can't do an odd number sockets, or either way, um, you're not <laughs> buying socket licenses for Vic. You're gotcha. buying it for the enterprise enterprise licenses for your hosts, so typically per socket or whatever you worked out with your <laughs> with your rep. Um, but Vic itself is not licensed. Nice. So we're going to pull down from our registry. Make sure I spelled all right. Cool. I have to make a quick change that we were doing from a development perspective. So this is actual Docker files. So Docker files are how you build Docker containers. You can see that basically what a Docker file does is just the manual steps that someone would take to build out uh, build out an environment, right? So we're going through, we're installing a bunch of stuff via YUM. We're installing uh, Python. We're dropping into a v virtual environment. This is all going to be covered in a future vBrown bag in August, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. I just needed to delete that out. That's a developer thing. Now if we do a Docker build and we'll name it. I'm using V1 for a bunch of stuff, so we'll do V2.
as much as I want to demo this and actually demo the Alexa integration, I have to save that for for the future <laughs> the future B Brown bag. <laughs> but we'll show it start up anyway, just so you guys can see what we're talking about. there we go so you can see how if we would make just simple quick changes to the to the build and if we wanted to change something let's we're gonna power this on real quick and I'll show you what I mean with that as this powers up and grabs IP address so it's gonna power up it's gonna grab its IP and everything that I statically set so that's gonna take a few moments say we want to change this title right here to something else in our quick development fashion, right? Because we're crazy developers and we like to change stuff on the fly. We are? Oh, okay. <laughs> I like to think I am sometimes. completely off the rails. I feel like this is going to backfire on me very badly. By saying it is, you, you're almost guaranteeing that it won't. That's, I think that's kind of... The... Uh, that's why I did it. Believe it or not, that's exactly why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, we, we made a quick change. Right? We went in and modified some of the code within the actual the locally committed file. Um, or locally cloned file, made some changes, rebuilt the container. It took us about, I think, mean, what, 12 seconds to rebuild that container. We re-tagged it to version 3 instead. You see right here. So now if we do a Docker run as version 3, it's going to fire back up. We're going to pop back over. Please don't work. Please. There you go. Oh, it is good for you. Thanks. Right. right. <laughs> so you can see how the, how how rapid development is much easier with a Docker container. And it's, it might be easier for you to just rerun the development interface and, and run the, the website locally. But making those changes against the Docker container ensures that anybody that pulls that container down is going to have the exact same result, right? Every time they build it. If I committed this back up now, every time William pulled down that container and, and did some development work on his side, he would have the exact same experience that I had. So it's, it's cool. It's fun. Just like the brown bag, it's good for you. All right, back to the back to the regularly scheduled programming. Our host is up, or at least we hope it's up. Now Chrome is going to probably scream at us because of um, because Chrome recently did a change that doesn't like certs that don't have a subject alternative name to them, and I don't have a subject alternative name to my cert. That's so probably going to bonk at us and say, thou shalt not. Oh, I had already accepted it, so. Just because we like to be OCD and not have red alerts, let's open this in IE. Cool. 
So we're happy. My super secure Humble Lab domain controller certificate authority in charge. This is the Harbor uh, registry. So if we can log in here with our username and password. Oh. And we see all of our stuff. This is going to be detailed a lot more in the uh, administration management conversation next week. So we're not going to do much in here. Hmm. We're going to close out our previous container. So now we have our Vic appliance. We've shown that the, it's up and running. We've seen that Harbor is there. We're not going to touch on the management side, so I'm not even going to click on it. Typically now what we would do is we would go in and we'd pull down the actual uh, TARs for the Vic and untar them and all of that stuff. I already did that to save us on some time and does essentially extract out to this folder right here, so we don't need to do that either. So see in here we have a number of platform Vic utilities. Since we're working off of Linux box right now, we'll just see, we're going to use the Vic machine Linux. And if we pop in there and do a Vic machine Linux, you can see a help. The Vic team did a great job at documenting this stuff from a command line perspective. So if we do a dash H, we can see basic. And if we do a dash X, we can see whole lot of stuff. Let's turn our font down a little bit so we can see just a little bit more per screen. This is too small people. Yep. Yell at Chris so I can make it bigger again. We're recording. I'm going to assume this is good enough. Yeah, we can see it. There's a ton of options here. Um, I'm going to use some specific ones and we can talk briefly about which, what each one of these tie into. Target is ultimately a vCenter endpoint or an ESXi endpoint. Go figure. ESXi or vCenter connection URL. User is a user account. Password password. We're going to come back to Thumbprint because it's an important concept that you will almost always fail on the first time. Name ties into the actual host name of the container host itself. Compute resource is a cluster. Auth user and password would be used if you wanted to set up, uh, say that I was hosting, and Chris, I wanted to give you a container host to do your development on, and I wanted you segmented off from the other B Brown baggers because they aren't to be trusted. I would give you an ops user and an ops password to do your work in. So you would connect your container host with your ops user and password, and you would be the only one that has access to it. Image store ties into a data store path where the images will be stored. So when you do a Docker pull, and it pulls down the image, ties into where that would be stored. Base image size is just the size of the, how much space the base images take up at a given time. Container store is where, if it's not supported yet, but eventually it'll be um, a separate store for containers that are built. Volume store is for persistent volumes. So if you're going to do Docker persistent volumes, a good example of that is like an Nginx reverse proxy. So if you wanted to have a reverse proxy and a load balancer set up on Nginx, as a container, but you wanted it ephemeral so that you could destroy the container and rebuild it and still keep the same configurations, you would drop your configurations into that persistent store. That way when you destroyed the container and built a new one, you would map that persistent store back in and you would keep your data. So that's one of the tricks you can use to make um, Docker containers still ephemeral 
but retain the important stuff. So you would map just a specific directory. So like in Nginx, it would be slash etc slash Nginx slash compd slash whatever comp file for your website configurations. This stuff right here is the important stuff. So a bridge network is how the container hosts talk to each other as well as how containers talk to one another. Hmm. This tripped me up for a long time because I use, by default, the Vic appliance uses 172.16.0 or slash 12 or .0.0 slash 12. I have a management network inside of that range. So when I would deploy containers, it would fail, and I spent days trying to figure that out, only to find that because I had a gateway and a network that overlapped, it would not work. So if you don't have anything that's on 172.16, you'll be fine. If you do, you will not. So we're, in my example, we're going to use this configuration to change the bridge network. Client networks relate to how the uh, VCH talks to um, end-user clients. Public network is uh, how how containers talk to the rest of your network, so where they land, what their main IP address is, if you're not using a container network. So if you're using a container network, you're giving each container its own dedicated IP address. Maybe you're having like an overlay network that you're using with like NSX. So you're deploying it onto an NSX network. This is the container network down here. If you're using that and deploying it onto NSX, it's not going to land on a public network. There's a little distinction there. Management networks are for management traffic. If you want to get crazy in segment stuff, DHCP server or DNS server, I think makes sense. I'm just explain that. These all tie into restrictions, so res restricting memory, restricting, restricting CPU. Words are hard. TLSC name ties into the self-signed cert that's generated. If you're using self-signed cert, um, this all ties into certs. CLS ver no CLS verify we are going to use just to disable it to make things simple. Again, certs, 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 all the things. RegCA value is for Harbor or any other Docker registry you want to use. So if you want to push the certificate in so that you don't have any weird problems down the road, that's a good idea. I already have the certificate on the system, so we're going to push that in anyway. Insecure registries if you didn't want to use a cert with a registry. Proxies for communications externally out to uh, the internet. So they're at my former employer. There are about five <laughs> five container hosts that still exist that are have a proxy set up that they would probably be very disappointed in. But I don't work there anymore. So these are for if we wanted to force a different appliance ISO or Bootstrap ISO resource pools, so on and so forth. The help's really good. Read the help. Fortunately, we're not to type all of that out. I already did this command and saved it. You're going to see my clear text default VMware password that I changed specifically for this. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, Classic. Classic, huh? All right. You added a 23 in there. That's 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 totally out of the norm. Do a good job. Oh, what did I tell you? Everyone's going to fail on this the first time. Because most people don't have the thumbprint for their instance memorized. Almost always you will fail this the first time. 
you will then copy your certificate thumbprint. You will append it to your command, which I'm doing on a different screen right now. And we will try again. Alternatively, we could just do up because those backslashes, just you know, chaining it all together. So you could just do a slash slash, or just do up, and do dash dash thumbprint, and then the value. What did I do wrong? Uh, thumbprint and then something. Oh, there equals. it is. I didn't do the equals. That's one demo fail. That's one demo fail so far. Man, you are almost a flawless victory. You are almost a flawless victory. <laughs> I'm just gonna hang up. We're done with this conversation. This isn't fun anymore. A lot of good stuff happening in here. You see it. It's pulling down. It's actually using the registry cert that I specified. Uh, it's grabbing the IP. It's doing an API check or an API check against it uh, once it comes up. So if we pop into the center. Oh, look at that little fella. That's a V app. How quaint. So a uh, quick All question right. for, for that piece of it, actually. Um, Fire. Uh, does standard vCenter work down to the container level, i.e. in vCenter, say, uh, you can say who has admin rights, read rights, et cetera, to parts of the tree. Does that extend down to the containers, or is the container host the endpoint for vCenter security? Because they are still vCenter objects within the platform, they would be a part of that. So if you have persistent containers that are running forevers and evers, mm -hmm. um, you could assign permissions to those, right? So if you had stuff that you kept in there, like a uh, Nginx reverse proxy or a WordPress blog, as a funny example, uh, you could assign permissions to those and say only Chris can see can see that that container specifically. Gotcha. Yeah, they are they are managed objects within the platform. Now we have our endpoint. We're cruising up on the end of this demo, just as a heads up. So now with this, we can do interesting things like images. We have no images. We can pull down images from the standard Docker repo. We can do run IT. So IT means uh, IT lets how we get into the container, so it runs it as an actual target that we're logged into. You see that container spinning up right there? And now we're in. You can see it running standard logs, right? So we can see it has, it has its IP address as 192.100.02. It's got a default gateway, so on and so forth. So we're actually, this, I mean, effectively it's a VM, right? We're looking at the console view. Pop in and do LS. This is a real, it's a real container, right? If we go in and do 
we exit the container and we do a docker run IC, or not even that, we do a rock docker run detached 8080, Nginx. Another, another, I was not planning on doing this demo either. I was not planning on this one. We are, we're going three for three on unplanned demos. <laughs> I too like to live dangerously. If somebody posts that meme to Twitter, you have to tell me. <laughs> uh, extra points if you get the movie as well. If you get the movie as well, it's extra points. I, I may I may be able to be persuaded that the first person who posts the meme with the movie, since Chris obviously knows it, may end up with a shirt in the mail. Uh, Graham, I may Graham pull got that it. off. Graham got it. Graham See? Mitchell. All right, you'll have to you'll have to sync me up with Graham and yep. I will uh, I will get Graham a shirt. <laughs> so this this container is now running within within that remote endpoint, so the 6.1 endpoint. We mapped it, the dot 6.1 endpoint, sorry, to be specific there. We mapped it to port 80 on that host. So in theory, if we pop in here now and we go to HTTP 102.168.1.61, is it going to work? Is it going to work? Maybe, maybe, maybe. unhappy for some reason. It's probably still coming up. It takes a little while to boot those up, so that demo that demo may have failed. Oh. Anyway, while that's doing its stuff. Now to answer the earlier question, you know, what do we do about if we want to have multiple containers per host? Or can we do multiple containers per host? This will be the last demo we do before we just open up for, for real questions. You can go in and create number two. We will go and change this to 200. We will up its IP address by one. Perfect. Waiting for IP. So we just built one on the fly. Hmm. There's another one. Then again, we can do run ITD. Or not IT, sorry. We'll do slash attached, so we're not in the target mode. We'll do slash port, 80, 80, Nginx. Now we have this new one over here that we spun up. It's currently pulling down that Nginx container again. It's extracting it, doing all kinds of 
magical ninja things. That container is now starting up. No VMware tools. But why? What? Ooh. Something went wrong with that build. So. That qualifies as a demo fail as well. Ah, uh, you, you, you were going too strong. It's all right. It's all right. You know, no one's perfect. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about, you know, just kind of summarize since we're coming up on the hour here. Um, we talked about the installation of the VIC appliance, and that gives us our container registry, our container management, as well as the binaries that we pull down to do the actual VIC installation. We've done the actual VIC appliance install during the deployment of the, of, uh, sorry, we did the appliance install via OVF that gave us the uh, container management as well as the Docker registry. We then did the actual um, machine deployment, so the virtual container host deployment, we showed the ability to connect from a remote host into that and perform API calls like info or Docker pull or Docker run, so on and so forth. Uh, we've shown kind of the benefits of using containerization and the speed at which you can develop, push changes, make changes, clone things down from a repo and kind of the developer friendliness of them. We've talked about the different uh, VIC options from a from what the different command line switches do, looking at Vic machine create, oops, Linux create. Talked about the different options and benefits there. Uh, something to leave you guys with. I did my blog around deploying VCR container host. Pretty good guide running through. Um, I'll be doing another one for the CMA blog soon to go through kind of the setup, what, what you get out of it, how it can be done in a very quick developer friendly way. Cool. And then we also did a demo of using my own container. So, uh, there's yeah. actually there's actually one follow up Alexa question. Um, uh, oh. does, does, <laughs> does that mean I can tell my Alexa to V motion some guests? That so so <laughs> the struggle with that, and that's that's going to be a long a long topic of conversation at the V Brown Bag I do in August. But okay. um, we're trying. We're trying, and it's, it's easy to do when you have um, very distinct names. So if you had, say you named each one of your VMs a very distinct name, natural language processing could handle that. And you could say, Alexa, move blue. Alexa, move red. Alexa, vMotion red to host, host one. 
Well, even host one will fail because Alexa will interpret that as host space one, right? So there's a lot of code that has to be done to, to uh, handle that. Okay. Um, so, so the so natural the language of Alexa right would be tough for the way that we think of it. We'd have to like have Tweety and Sylvester and and uh, exactly and stuff like that. Now, there's ways around that, right? It's all it's all written in Python. So you can be crafty with like regex, and you could nuke spaces. So you could have the Alexa input be a certain way, and then have the Python code kind of shape that response. So when you said ESXi1, and Alexa did the space, you could have a regex there that would nuke that space, right? And, and you could get pretty creative with it, um, but it, it would significantly increase the code. So a lot of stuff we're doing right now is read operations. So I just pushed, so William Lamb pushed um, some of the vSAN stuff to get vSAN data. So get vSAN version, get VAMI version. I did get uptime. We had about 12 other ones that already exist. So if you go read my read my blog, thehumblelab.com, or take a look at uh, William Lamb over at Virtually Ghetto, we both have uh, a pretty hefty amount of information on there about it. Uh, also, ping me on Twitter about it. We'll, I'm, it's, I think we've combined had somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 commits over the past three days. So we're doing a lot of work around it right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so we, we actually basically did all of the questions as, as we were going through the content. So as, as of right now, I don't have anything left. Um, let me, hold on, let me double check. Twitter's clean, refresh. And nope, nope, we're we're good. We're good for questions. Uh, are are there any things that that any kind of questions that you get hit up with on the regular that um that like like common things that, that people ask you? A lot of them were answered along the way. You know the, the questions about you know when I say it's treated as a VM, what does that mean? Gotcha. Uh, that's a common one that's asked. You know what does that what does that really mean? And and kind of what are the benefits of using a Docker container or using a Docker a regular Linux host with Docker containers installed versus using a vSphere integrated container. And, you know, Ryan Kelly from VM to Cloud years ago told me kind of what ended up being kind of the best, the best kind of description of it for me at the time. Uh, vSphere containers are, or vSphere integrated containers are containers for the VMware admin. So they play nice with all of your existing VMware products. If you're an organization that really wants to let developers use containers, but you still want to maintain the investment that you've made. You still want to use the platforms you did. You want to deploy with VRA and be able to deploy containers with VRA or manage them their resources with VROPS or tie them into Log Inside or Verney or NSX. These hmm. integrated containers are great for you because they speak the VMware language, right? They're they're tied and they're developed from the ground up to be functional with our suite of products. Um, if you want to go true cloud native, you want to break free of existing paradigms, you want to do everything 100% cloud native, looking at things like Photon Platform is, is where you want to be because that's a completely different abstraction of, of virtual machines and getting away from the, the legacy concept of what a virtual machine is and getting into real containers and real cloud native. But we're still a long ways off from that as, a, as an IT field. You know, some are further ahead of us than others, places like like Netflix that has Chaos Monkey running around the entire data center destroying parts of the environment and letting it automatically rebuild. You know, that's, there are a few companies that are at that level of maturity. Many of us are in the boat of, hey, I've spent this money on VMware products. How can I let my developers do development work but still, but still use my platform to manage it? 
Hmm. Gotcha. That was a long-winded answer for a, a pretty simple question that was asked way earlier. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you, thank you very much, Cody. That was that was fantastic. There's a, there's a lot of uh, good feedback on on Twitter um, about the content. Uh, there there was a lot of good interaction for it, and. Um, that, that was awesome. I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to host next week's as well on, on administration so we can e even dive even further. And, and you can come back with the answer uh, to Graham's question. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, attending the episode, and we'll see you again next week.